Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Why it matters. It's all about the money. It's all about the dun dun dun. Are you getting paid enough? That's the question that tends to come out at the start of every year. You've heard dishwashers earning $3,500, delivery riders $6,000, $5,000. Your chicken rice cost is going up. So all these questions are coming about. And I bet that if you are perhaps in a career that matches your passion, your dream job in that sense, are you able to grow? Are you finding enough opportunities to constantly learn and evolve? A good job has to not only be able to put food on the table, I mean, when you consider inflation costs, rising cost of living, but it's got to allow you to grow as a person as well. Now, according to Job Street Salary Guide 2023, job seekers in Singapore are prioritizing salary information. 38% expressing that they want to know the salary before they apply. Is that fair? I think it's fair. So what are some of the salary trends that we can expect this year? How important is it for us to be aware of our own industry's market salary benchmark? On the line with me is Chiu Siu Mi, who is Managing Director, Job Street by Seek Singapore. Hello, good afternoon. How are you? Hello, good afternoon, Elliot. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. All right. Let's talk about the Job Street 2023 Salary Guide. What were some of the standout data that uh, you guys managed to extract from that? Yeah, sure. Typically, let me start with providing some foundation, understanding uh, why do we do that first uh, before we come into uh, providing insight. So first of all, uh, we produce salary benchmarking report on an annual basis. And this is to assist employers in understanding salary trends across different sectors and empower them to make strategic decisions for acquiring as well as retaining talent. So typically, based on the report, we have observed some very interesting trends. Mm. So just imagine in 2022, as we are all of that, we witnessed a significant growth in job opportunities across the marketplace, mm-hmm. causing intense competition for talent. Mm-hmm. And as a result, this search actually has led to wage pressure, driving up salaries by an average of about 6.3% year on year. However, last year means uh, 2023, uh, there was a decline in overall opportunity which moderated a rich increases to below 6%. So in a simpler term, all in all, salary increases peak in 2022 and moderated in 2023. So that brings um, us to to quite a bit to discuss where 2024 is concerned. If you don't mind me jumping in there, I found out this point where, you know, it's important to find out, you know, your own salary benchmark. But how on earth are people going to go about doing that? Um, for salary benchmark, as I mentioned, job sheet, we, we know that it's essential reports that everyone is looking for. So we are releasing it on a daily basis for employers. And we do have a salary benchmarking tool on our, built on our company website as well. So okay. for candidates who are keen to find out their own salary against market benchmark, you can just visit Jobsheet website to do the letter and benchmarking. For sure, I'm going to look at that and uh, I don't think my HR is going to be very happy about that. But <laughs> but it's also it's also in, an interesting situation and, and maybe you can help me out with this one. You've got, you're looking at salary benchmarks for different sectors and we saw a lot, uh, as you were mentioning, the opportunities in 2022, people pivoting out, right? But we do see during interviews HRs or interviewers asking what was your last drawn salary and they pay you according to that is that fair though? Do I actually have to declare my last drawn salary? In a nutshell 
the common practice in the marketplace is quite naturally for human resource to ask for your last one salary. That's it. When it comes to defining salary, that might not be the case because mm. in a nutshell, salary is not a fixed number. Yeah. It, yeah. it is a range. Yeah. So therefore, it is important for candidates to understand the thinking behind our prospective employers. Because for any roles, the salary, in a way, how do they craft the range, right? Yeah. It, in fact, based on job expectations, required skill set, as well as the value employers provide. So, as a candidate, if you can understand that part of the business and eventually reflect on what we as a candidate can offer and how we can contribute effectively to the company's growth so and so forth, so present that point clearly to employers and that's how you might be able to influence the salary ranges and have a chance to get higher pay. Mm. So, your last one salary is just information, but mm. it might not define how you will get your next pay. Right, right. But that's at the start of looking for a job. I wonder if you've come across situations where, I don't know, you're in the job two, three years and then you realise, hey, wait a minute, I'm underpaid based on market standards. Is there anything I can do to increase my salary other than having to quit and find another job? It has a lot to do with how you present yourself on the CV during an interview and so forth. Okay. As I mentioned just now, how does the employer define the salary? It boils down to what you can offer and what you can put on the table for them to take forward. So my advice is actually leverage on your understand your end goals in mind and um, recognize what are the skill sets that is essential for you to get there, to build value, and subsequently negotiate for that and present that clearly to the prospective employers. And that might help you to negotiate for better salary. Generally, what are some of the factors that influence salaries across sectors here in Singapore? Across sectors here in Singapore, in fact, there are a few things, right? It begins with supply and demand, as they are all aware. For example, finance and technology sectors are known for paying more because they are competitive, they are emerging and growing. And they're always on the lookout for top talent and which naturally drives salary. That's one of the aspects. And guess what? Something interesting we have come across is this. Because we realize that the size and financial stability of the company matters too. Mm. For example, established companies uh, with a strong financial foundation usually, can you believe it, usually offer higher salary compared to smaller setups. And um, in a way, according to our data, it shows that salary difference can be as much as 20%, which is quite significant. Are are salaries still a sustainable way, or should I say a sustainable motivator, to get one to stay in the company? Because there is this other issue that's been popping up a lot, right? Which is retaining talent. You've got a lot of the younger generation saying that they would leave in the search of a better boss, even if it means their salary isn't as good. So is it still powerful enough to get people to stay? Salary is definitely very powerful motivator when it comes to talent retention <laughs> and attracting new talent. Of course. In fact, yeah, in fact, they have a survey carried out uh, for full understanding, right? Mm-hmm. To really understand the ever-changing wants and needs of our users. So to begin with, salary should no doubt top the list, but there are other key motivators as well. Say, okay. as we can imagine, work-life balance, yeah. workplace flexibility, career progression, promotion, and all that play a big part in forming the decision itself. And we also realise that because we black from an employer standpoint, no doubt we know a lot of employers, many employers, they are all aware, salary is the key motivator. 
But the next question, like what you mentioned just now, is that a sustainable moderator, mm, yeah, right? Yeah. So obviously it is not because we were add on burden to our JNL. So in a nutshell, usually nowadays employers they are crafting a more balanced approach. Okay. It means that might that might design a very attractive package for roles that thing can drive big growth within the organization, key drivers. Mm. But at the same time, they are also designing non-financial compensation. Like what I mentioned, work-life balance, yeah. workplace flexibility. I don't even talk about four-day work week moving forward yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to attract employees. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And again, it's it's all about the strategy that the employer uh, can put out there. I guess uh, coming back to the employee's point of view, as we look at 2024, what are your thoughts on how the hiring scene is going to look like this year? What are some uh, perhaps even the strongest sectors maybe? Yes, uh, sure. So regarding the hiring scene, we have also gotten a lot of data to look at as well. And based on our data and insights, we realize that the good part is Employers remain cautiously optimistic this okay. year, right? Yeah. With uh, one in two expressing, in fact, they will continue to hire in the next six months. Mm-hmm. And um, the other dynamic is that it is certain that full-time roles will continue to be a significant part of our employment marketplace. Okay. However, we anticipate employers will gradually shift towards um, recruiting more part-time contracts, wow. hand jobs, over time. So what does it mean? It implicates a strategic shift uh, in our workforce dynamics moving forward. Okay. Uh, you could get a case where people hold two or three jobs to make ends meet, but because there is a bit of balance there. Uh, uh, Mr. I'm, I'm curious if let's say someone's listening right now, if, you know, I'm thinking of maybe changing a job this year. I'm looking at the time. Oh, Chinese New Year's coming up. This is great timing. You know, this is a conversation that always happens, right? What strategies should one think about if they're going to look for another job this time of the year and they want to get better pay? What's your advice to them? Uh, in terms of getting a better pay, as we began with, it is important to have two phases of our preparation. Phase one is to really look at what do you want to become, right? And your end goals in mind. And mm-hmm. with that, you will be able to define what are the valuable skills that you have to build today so that it can pass you seamlessly towards your end goal in mind. That's number one. And um, organize upskilling. Reskilling remains key during the interim period. Okay. The other part, when we apply to jobs, any kind of job, it's so important for us to understand the full spectrum of the jobs that we apply to. Say, for example, what are the requirements, what are the expectations, the corporate culture, mm. uh, so and so forth. And uh, what do they expect from you as a candidate? Mm. And what are the essential skill set that is mandatory for the role? And what is nice to have and all that has to be crafted clearly. Mm. The more we are able to craft it clearly, the more we are able to reflect what we can offer as a candidate. So eventually... The game is so it's not magical at all. Right. It is about matching what you can offer and put it on the table to pay way to negotiate for your salary. I get it. Like a headhunter once told me, it's about being able to get into that fit that every company is looking for as well. Uh, I suppose just a quick final question: Does Job Street do anything? How does Job Street help support the employment market? Oh, thank you for asking that question. And um, at Job Street, whenever we design our strategies, we always value empowering both employers and candidates because we realize that our presence here is to support our community. Mm. And uh, in a nutshell, we recognize two key challenges within our employment ecosystem, among others. So, for example, first of all, there is often a mixed alignment mm-hmm. in our employment ecosystem, especially pertaining to 
misalignment of expectations between employers and candidates, especially in areas like salary and job expectations. Can mm-hmm. we imagine that? Mm-hmm. And um, next, as you are all aware, our candidates are facing challenges to remain employable and relevant in a highly evolving employment landscape. So those are part and parcel of the challenges we are facing today. So keeping all these considerations in mind, JobShape consistently provides data and insight, just like our salary report is just one of the many examples, to support both employers and candidates, enabling them to make well-informed decisions. And also, we pay way to align their expectations. That part is so important. Mm. Additionally, if I may add on, we would like to be part of supporting lifelong learning. Yeah. Because recently, we have introduced SIGMAX, which is a career hub for working professionals. Because SIGMAX offers best-in-class learning content from leading providers like Microsoft, Harvard mm-hmm. Business Review, Bloomberg, and so forth. And uh, they can simply download uh, the JobTrip mobile app to assess key learning opportunities. That's, that's the next one. So most interestingly, the last one, because we have just completed our unification journey. And uh, we are now on our AI-powered unified platform. And nowadays, AI is a hot topic yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, so ambition, like, when we're doing our job search process, uh, we get personalized recommendations, AI screening questions, data-driven insights that actually can seamlessly bring together employers and candidates. So these are just some of the examples. Wow. Okay, I'm going to go download that app right now. I mean, lifelong learning definitely is something that uh, we shall all get on board. I've been speaking with Chu Siu Mi, who is Managing Director, Job Street by Seek Singapore. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.